couple of years ago, I read this this article. That, the The title was very disturbing, very very ironic. It was the title was "Man Convicted in Peace Rally Murder." And this this happened in in uh, Memphis. A uh, Memphis man was sentenced to life in prison after being convicted in a deadly shooting at an anti-violence picnic. Uh, according to the district attorney's office, this man and his victim were both in attendance at a Stop the Violence cookout at Hastings Park back in 2015. Uh, that's where the man reportedly approached the other, made a comment about a dispute, and then shot him multiple times at close range. The 34-year-old victim was rushed to a hospital where he was pronounced deceased, and the man fell guilty of the other man's murder on Friday, automatically sentenced to life in prison. And you know, maybe maybe a better title for this article would be "Peace." Really? Um, you know, and we can rally for peace all we want, but if it's left up to us as humans, we're going to fall short. Uh, the, the history of the world bears out that we're not very good at uh, this this peace thing. Uh, by nature, we're not peace-seeking and, and peacekeeping creatures. We we try, but we, we fail. We're just not good at this. Over over the past 3,400 years, I read that humans have been entirely at peace for 268 of them. So that's 8% of recorded history. The other 92%, there have been wars, wars in the world. At least 108 million people were killed in wars in the 20th century alone. Sounds like a pretty hopeless situation. And if we think too much about it, uh, it's easy to become overwhelmed and become depressed about the, the lack of peace in our world and even even close to home. But uh, thankfully, there, there is hope. Our, our God is a, a God of hope. He's, he's a God of peace, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the, the uh, Prince of Peace, into this world, which is full of strife and, and war. Uh, he, he sent the Messiah to, to a world that has no peace, no peace, no peace with God, no peace with fellow man, and uh, certainly no inner peace. So God sent the Messiah to a, a world that is very much in need of peace. Let's, let's acknowledge that God had a solution when he sent Jesus. God has a solution. And we're going to return back to Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 which we've been looking at for the last, well, this is the fourth week of Advent. So these names for for the Messiah. Wonderful Counselor. What are the other ones? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and, and finally, Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, uh, for it, uh, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
So we're looking at this, this last name. And we're going to look at what the name means, and we're going to look at how Jesus, how this, this child who was given is the Prince of Peace for, for us. Is that better? So the, the, the verse indicates something very interesting about Jesus. I, I think that when we read this Prince of Peace, maybe we don't, we don't gain a full understanding of what that means. The verse indicates something about him being a ruler, this, this word prince in the Hebrew language. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean like, you know, the Prince Charming or, or whatever. It, it's a ruler. He's a ruler. He's a ruler of peace. Uh, Sar Shalom in the Hebrew. Sar Shalom. You've heard that word Shalom before. And it's, it's always translated peace. Peace. It's, it's a word that's, that's very rich in meaning. It's got a very, a very wide semantic range to it. Not only does it mean peace, but it, it means something much more, something deeper, something along the lines of making things whole, making things right, taking things that are, that are broken, making them right. It has to do with, with wellness, and, and restoration, that's what peace is. Peace is not just merely the, the absence of, of war and strife, but it's, it's God making things the way they should be. It's restoring the world to the way he wants it. I think that when we Maybe, maybe maybe we were all influenced by the by the 60s and we think of peace and we think of somebody who might be called a prince of peace as being somebody who you know just sits very quietly and and speaks platitudes about you know getting along together and things like that maybe uh you know, the the image might be like somebody like Gandhi you know very pacifistic pacifistic um, but according to the, the the net bible notes I was reading this week it indicates a, a ruler uh, somebody who's a military commander a, a mighty ruler who's going to bring peace by vanquishing the enemy of his people this uh, this picture is of a, of a messiah king who is going to establish a, a safe socioeconomic environment for his uh, for his people, his subjects. You know, it hardly depicts him as a uh, powerless person. He's a ruler who's going to come and bring peace by uh, by military strength. You know, his, his people are going to experience peace and prosperity because their invincible king is going to destroy the enemy. So this might be a little different picture than what you, you would imagine when you, when you hear Prince of Peace. He's this mighty ruler who's going to vanquish the enemy. Jesus Christ, we read in, in Ephesians, has been placed above all rulers and authorities and principalities and powers. And we're in him. 
you can uh, really kind of get a sense of this by looking at uh, Isaiah 9, 7. And I'm going to be reading from the, the New English translation. Uh, his dominion will be vast and he'll bring immeasurable prosperity. He'll rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom, establishing it and strengthening it by promoting justice and fairness from this time forward and forevermore. The Lord's intense, devo- intense devotion to his people will accomplish this. So this describes a peace that the Messiah is going to bring when he establishes his kingdom on earth. Uh, this, this peace is described as justice and, and fairness given to us by the Lord, by his devotion to his people. And so Isaiah applies this, applies this term along with these other four names to give a, a, a richer, deeper picture of, of the Messiah. You know, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And he applies these names to this, to this baby. Uh, you know, what, what do we think of when we think of Christmas and Jesus? We think of this, this little baby in, in a manger, right? And that's what he was. This this non-threatening, peaceful baby. One of our songs says that he didn't even cry. I kind of have to question that, but that's neither here nor there. But, you know, people want a non-threatening Jesus. They want a quiet Jesus who's not going to bother them. That's not the Jesus that Isaiah is talking about here. I think a couple of weeks ago I uh, quoted from, from C.S. Lewis in, the, in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, and I'm going to bring another quote, too, from this story. Uh, Susan is talking, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion, said Su- ooh, said Susan, I, I thought he'd be a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. He's the king, I tell you. So we, we need to remember that this, uh, this baby, this, this one who would become a man and die on the cross to defeat sin and death is the king that Isaiah is prophesying about, this this ruler of peace, prince of peace. He's making a prophecy about this child who's going to be, uh, about what this child will become, what he'll do, what he'll do on earth, what he'll do for his people. You know, from from our perspective, this sounds like a pretty long-range plan because we still haven't seen the the fulfillment of this. You know, we... As, as we see the, the story of redemption in the Bible unfold, you know, we see that the Messiah has, has made peace possible by what he's done in, in many ways, but not yet fulfilled. You know, his, his reign of peace is here, but not in its fullness. It's not yet complete. You know, the battle over evil and sin and, and darkness is, is not over. We, we see that. We see that every day when we 
watch the news and read the papers and when we think about how things really are, remember uh, when Jesus ascended to heaven, when he went up to heaven, his disciples were kind of impatient. You know, when, when Jesus came, the, uh, the Jews, the people of God, were, they had this idea about what the Messiah would be. He would be this, this you know, king on a horse that was going to vanquish their enemy who was, you know, the Roman Empire, very oppressive, uh, Jesus came and didn't do that. It wasn't his time yet. And when he ascended, his his disciples said, "Okay, now is it time? Now is it time? Are we? Are you? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now?" And what did Jesus tell them? He said, "Nope." Uh, and it, it isn't. It's not for you to know God's timeline. Uh, what I want you to do is see to the task that I've given you uh, by witnessing, by being my witness and, and sharing the gospel starting right here in Jerusalem and, and working out to Samaria and Judea and, and to the ends of the earth. It's a long-range plan and we still pray for his kingdom to come, right? Jesus told us to pray this way in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is the kingdom here? It is in a sense, but not in its fullness, not in its completeness. Uh, Jesus, the the prince of peace, uh, we still have yet to see what that means in in its fullness. Uh, that doesn't mean we don't have an application in, in the present time. He's, he has brought peace. Uh, he's brought the possibility of peace in, in many, many ways. But we still live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-sick world that's uh, rebellious, has rebelled against God, has turned its back on God and gone its own way. You know, we're, we're currently still not experiencing earth the way God created it and the way God would have it. And apart from the the God of peace and the Prince of peace, we don't stand a chance. Without without God's peace, uh, mankind is headed to an eternity of death and, and destruction. So, how then is Jesus the Prince of peace to us? How can we apply this truth in our lives? How can we see how he is the Prince of Peace? And there are, there are three ways I'd like to look at this, three perspectives. You know, the first is uh, Jesus gives us peace with God. The second is he gives us peace with other people. And the third is he gives us peace with ourselves, inner peace. So Jesus, the Prince of Peace, brings the peace of God, peace with God. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that by nature we are enemies of God. Uh, we're, we're rebels. Each of us has gone our own way. Each of us has decided our way is better than God's way. Each of us has turned our back on God. Each of us has rejected God. You know, by nature we're sinners, we're, we're transgressors disobeying God, disobeying his law. 
rejecting his character, uh, fighting him. This does not describe peace. This describes conflict, you know, conflict with God is our natural state. And it's not God's desire that we be in conflict with him. And as we, as we look at the, uh, the story of the Bible, we see that God had a plan. He has a plan. It's his desire that we would be reconciled with him. And that's why he sent Jesus. His love for us is very, very deep. Uh, so deep that at great personal cost, he sent the Lord Jesus to die on a cross so that we could be right with him, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled to, uh, to experience shalom, rightness, wholeness, setting things right the way they, sh- they should be. He sent his son, the Prince of Peace. Paul writes about this provision of God in uh, Romans, Romans 5, 8 through 10. And uh, he did this because of his great love for us. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So God is the ultimate peacemaker. God is the ultimate peacemaker through Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of this peace in in his letters. If, If we believe in Jesus, we can be right with God. We can have shalom. We can be justified through faith in him and have peace with, with him. Uh, Romans 5, 1, 2 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God our Lord Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this isn't just theory. This isn't just some lofty theological idea. You know, this is, this is the very story of the Bible. From the beginning of the Bible, in the first chapters of Genesis, we see God's redemption story where Ab- Adam and Eve, our, our distant ancestors, rebelled against God. God had a plan. And he said he was going to send Eve's seed to make things right. So that we could experience shalom, so that we could experience restoration and and wholeness. And that's why he sent his son, the Prince of Peace. Uh, God wasn't content with leaving things the way they were when man rebelled. Uh, He he promised that he would make provision to bring us back. That's what we see in this this prophecy by Isaiah. That's what it's all about. That's what the whole Bible is all about. 
Christ reconciling the world to himself through Jesus, Jesus coming to earth for our sins, dying, being raised from the dead. That's the gospel. That's the good news of of Jesus, the the Prince of Peace. Paul in in Colossians, the, the first chapter, 18 through 20, speaks of Jesus. He says he is the beginning, the the firstborn from the dead, in that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him is all the fullness of God, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth and in heaven, making peace by the blood of of his cross. Uh, the, The writer of Hebrew talks about the God of peace. And he ties it also to Christ's death. Hebrews 13.20 says, May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. But it requires us to believe in Jesus, to to receive, to accept his free gift of of salvation. Romans 15.13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So this Messiah that Isaiah prophesies about, the Prince of Peace is the one who makes possible peace with God. That takes care of our our vertical relationship, right? What about our our horizontal relationships? You know, those are the ones that uh, we, we really see a lot of issues with. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, makes it possible for us to have peace with other people. You know, last week we, we talked about the fatherhood of, of God, and Jesus uh, told his disciples that people who call God their father are to be known as peacemakers. Those who are in the family of God are people of peace. Uh, Jesus said that uh, people would know, others would know that we're his disciples because we love one another. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, in uh, Matthew 5.9, I'm sure that most of us know this verse. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You ever thought about that? What, what does that mean? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You know, by I think by implication that would say that if we are not people of peace, if we're not peacemakers, people aren't going to call us sons of God. They're not going to recognize us as Christians. Jesus said, I'll, "They'll know you're my disciples because you love one another." Uh, Do we have peace with each other? Do we have peace with the people in in the world? We need to ask ourselves. Because Jesus said, in this family, with God as our father, we are going to be people of peace. We're going to be known as the children of God because we are people of peace. Uh... (laughs) You know, Jesus 
on the cross made it possible for us to have peace with God, bringing reconciliation with God. But he also made it possible for us to have reconciliation with other people. We're called to be reconciled with each other, to to live in peace with each other. Uh, Peacemakers make peace, right? They they fight for peace. It's it's an active thing. You know, peace isn't something that just happens. It's something that we work towards. Peacemakers. That's different from being a peacekeeper. We're peacemakers. Uh, we, we fight for reconciliation with each other. Um, and we need to ask ourselves, you know, examine our own hearts. Do we have broken relationships? Are, do we have any relationships that need reconciliation? If that's the case, you're not going to be experiencing uh, peace. Uh, there's, there's a good verse in Matthew, also in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about this, Matthew five twenty three through 24. And he talks about, you know, if you go into the, uh, the temple and you're offering a sacrifice and you realize that uh, there's a broken relationship, the verse is right here, what should you do? If you have an offering, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know, that's a pretty amazing thing that he's saying. Jesus is saying that it is more important for you to go and be reconciled with your brother than it is to come and worship him. Worshiping him is of utmost importance, but it's going to be quite hindered if we have a broken relationship. Uh, let, me, let me remind you, uh, husbands, in First uh, Peter, uh, Peter, Peter talks about uh, living with your wives in an understanding and, and honoring way. Otherwise, your, your prayers will be hindered. Are you familiar with that verse? It matters to God what our relationships are like, and our relationship with him will be absolutely hindered. Worship will be um, not impossible, but... It'll be weakened and uh, defective, if, if I may use that word, if, if we are living in uh, enmity and strife with, with our brother. That's what Jesus is saying here. So I, I suspect that many Christians in this world are having their effectiveness cut short because they've wronged somebody and haven't resolved that relationship because somebody's... Re- Maybe has wronged them and they're living in, in bitterness and resentment. You know, Jesus cares about our relationships. Uh, they affect our relationship with him. And uh, our, our prayer life, our worship life can really be affected as a result of broken relationships. So we're to be peacemakers. We're to be people who bring peace. Uh, Paul, in that verse where he talks about reconciliation about God reconciling with the world through Jesus he said and we've been given the ministry of reconciliation that's our service as as Christians reconciliation we're called to help people to show them God's grace and forgiveness we're called to lead them to Christ the prince of peace we're we're called to bring people together 
encouraging them through Christ to forgive, to ask for forgiveness with each other, to be reconciled. So Jesus makes it possible to have peace with God, to have peace with other people. So that's our our vertical relationship, our horizontal relationship. And finally, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, makes it possible for us to have inner peace, peace within ourselves. You know, this this inner peace really in a lot of ways is kind of a uh, byproduct, if you will, of, of peace with God and peace with others. You know, if you're living in enmity and strife with God or with other people, you're probably going to be in turmoil, inner turmoil. Maybe harboring uh, bitterness and, and resentment. Uh, if you're at peace with God, you'll have inner peace. The, the guilt of sin is gone. Uh, your, your absolute trust in God will surely help to melt your your anxiety. If you're at peace with God, you should realize that you are valuable to God. You're uh, of of great worth as one of his children. Uh, You should realize that, uh, you know, the, the amazing love that God has given you should bring you peace. He's a, You've become a fellow heir with with Christ. Uh, You know, God invites us to to trust in him, to lay down our burdens, to just give him our anxieties. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love this this phrase here, the, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. This is amazing. Uh, this is peace we can't understand. This is, this is peace we can't figure out. All this stuff is happening around us, yet we can experience calm in, in the midst of the storm because of the peace of God. It's... Uh, it's beyond us, but it's not beyond God for us to live in that kind of peace. If we lean on him, uh, his, his peace will guard our, our hearts and our minds. Being at peace with others, again, will also uh, bring inner peace, right? Conversely, if you're not at pe- living in peace with others, others it's going to bring turmoil, Colossians three fourteen through 15 speaks of the need for love, which brings peace and, and harmony with others. What's the result? Let's read it. Above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which to indeed you were called in one body. We see that it's God's desire. It's his purpose, it's his calling for us to live in peace with others, to love and love one another, to live in harmony, to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. So as, I, as, as we wrap this up, uh, Isaiah prophesied, he prophesied about this promised Messiah who was going to come, the one 
you know what Messiah means. It's the anointed one, the one who's anointed by the Father. He'd be born of a virgin. He'd take our sins upon himself. In him we would see God. He'd show us the Father. The love and the peace of the Father would be revealed in him because he was one with the Father. Uh, in, in Jesus, we, we see God's nature as wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Remember Jesus said of himself, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, so the Prince of Peace, Jesus sent to redeem a, a lost and dying world, uh, that's us so that we could have peace with God so that our enmity with God would cease so that our enmity with people would would stop so that we would be transformed into a loving relationship with him and and with others and it's out of this relationship that that we have peace um, you know he's he's given us a charge to be uh, agents of peace peacemakers and you know this is this is one of those things where we got to realize we can't do this on our own we need him we need Jesus we need the spirit of Jesus the Holy Spirit who who lives and in us and through us in John 14 26 through 27 when Jesus talks about this coming Holy Spirit he says that this helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will, he'll teach you all things and to bring to remembrance all the things I said to you. He said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Not as the world gives you, but <laughs> not as the world gives do I give to you. Let, your not, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So, we can have peace rallies, we can rally for peace, we can talk about peace, we can pretend to have peace, but our, our human effort, efforts are always going to fail. We, we live in a fallen world where Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is, is the only hope. We can't muster up peace. We can, you know, we can go to the bookstore and look at a whole section on self-help and how to have peace, inner peace, and peace with others, and all this kind of stuff, but it's, it's all vain. Our, our efforts, our human efforts are going to fall short every time. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to conform us to the image of Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, so that we can have peace with God and others and inner peace. Uh, you know, when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, what is it? Love, joy, peace. It's the fruit that we can only bear because we're connected to the, the vine, right? Only by his power, only by his ability, not our own can we have peace. We can, we can live in peace because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So Jesus was sent to ultimately establish his kingdom. 
where he would reign with with his saints in peace. Uh, I don't know about you, but I long for that time. I long for that time. I look forward to that when King Jesus reigns and brings peace truly to this earth, Prince of Peace. Pray with me. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we are in awe of you. We are in awe of what you have, have given us through Jesus, the, the Prince of Peace, Lord, that you brought re- reconciliation, that we can have peace with you, we can have peace with each other, and we can have your peace ruling in our hearts, the peace that passes all understanding. We don't understand it, Lord, but uh, we know that it is, it's from you and it's only from you. And as we, as we continue to remember you, Jesus, through this, this Christmas season, help us to uh, know you, to realize you as the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen.